Hello and welcome to this issue of MCW Geeks Podcast. I'm Kevin and we have Mike. What's up? And we have Chris. Yeah, you. You remember him from the Batman movie podcast? He was talking in the background. He's going to talk a little bit more today, maybe. Boo Batman. Boo Batman. Um, so today we're going to be talking about Constantine, and we're going to be branching off into a few different things. Um, you know, the, his creator, Alan Moore, we're going to be talking about him a little bit, and we're going to be going into the movie and talking about some Keanu Reeves, and we'll see where we go from there. Keanu. <laughs> That's my cousin. Keanu Reeves, Chris Reeves. They look alike. Yeah. He just hasn't done his 23 and me yet, <laughs> so he doesn't know it. <laughs> So, um, Constantine was created by Alan Moore. His first appearance was Swamp Thing number 37 in June 1985. We'll be posting a picture of my Swamp Thing 37. I recently got it graded. Um, that'll be on our Instagram, which is uh, at mcw underscore geeks underscore podcast. And I will also be posting my Swamp Thing, but... That's a different website that you guys can see and very inappropriate. But that's his OnlyFans. That's the OnlyFans. I have no fans yet, so that's I'm the only <laughs> only fan. <laughs> Obviously, Alan Moore, you know, creative genius. He didn't create Swamp Thing. Uh, the first run of Swamp Thing was in the '70s, and he jumped onto the '80s. Uh, one and he took over at issue number 20 and pretty much you know remade his story and then brought in Constantine and uh, Constantine was like a uh, supernatural advisor to Swamp Thing because he was in over his head and he, uh, he was protector of the green and it's all very supernatural psychic connections and uh, so Constantine kind of played uh, his role as uh, kind of guiding him through, but as Constantine does, he, you know, screwed it over and ruined that relationship and, you know, tried to get with Swamp Thing's girl and, you know, just typical Constantine stuff. But I also wanted to touch on uh, Alan Moore's other stuff. Like, you know, he's responsible for The Watchmen, V for Vendetta, From Hell, his awesome work in The Killing Joke. I love uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I know people didn't like the movie, but I, I was a big fan. This is where you guys talk, too. Uh, <laughs> so, for me, like, one of my favorite series of all time is definitely Watchmen. Like, um, I think I like V for Vendetta better, mm -hmm. but Watchmen is amazing. Um, the movie, I don't know if it just translates to film very well. Maybe that's the issue. It just didn't translate. But it was a very good comic. It was a great comic. One of the greatest of all time. And it just didn't seem to translate when they just tried to take it from page to screen. I, I still liked it. V for Vendetta, I thought they did a better job on the movie. I really liked V for Vendetta, the comic itself. It was just all the the innuendos of the government and how they are and everything that we deal with now is pretty... Great thing. Uh, from Hell, the comic, I read that once. From what I've seen from that and read, the comic was a lot, lot better than the movie ever was. The Killing Joke, for me, it's overrated. I like it a lot. I really, I really do like it. But I think there's better Joker stories out there, but it's the best just one. Like, 
there's better Joker stories that are in Batman comics, but this is the best Joker story where it's a standalone. Oh, like a, a good one shot. Yeah. Yeah. And did either of you guys see the Watchmen TV show? I did watch a couple episodes because somebody from work had told me about it. I liked it. It just, I don't know. I don't know. I think it was just in my mood at the time. I wasn't able to get into it. Right. What about the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? I know that was a big flop for a lot of people. I know it didn't do well, but I have watched that movie several times. I think it's great, but I think one of the reasons I think it's great is probably because I saw the movie before I read the comic. See, I I, I don't know what came first, but I really like both because it's like an all-star of everybody. Yeah. And because you have like what, The Mummy and Sherlock Holmes, right? Uh, no, uh, Doctor Jekyll. Doctor Jekyll. Um, you have uh, Dorian Gray. You have Nemo. You have Dracula's wife. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde, and then the Invisible Man. Yes. I think that's where you're getting the mummy from because he did have stuff wrapped around him just so he could be visible. Oh, okay. See, I don't know. It's not that I don't know what we're talking about. I just don't. hasn't haven't seen it in a while. <laughs> but um, I I I like both and. I thought, for me, they did a good enough job, but I'm not too invested into it also to where I would uh, think that one's good and one's bad or both are good or both are bad. or I, I thought they were both good, but if I really dug deep into it, I'd probably say that the movie wasn't great, but I really like the movie. I, it's a, one of those movies that if I see on TV, I'll watch it. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Chris? What do you think? Same thing. If it's on, I'm watching it for sure. Yeah. Well, Sean Connery's character, I thought, was just awesome. I mean, like, he was just a normal dude that could shoot really well. But I think having that addition to all the, like, the supernatural powers and everything like that, it's it's, it's cool to have, like, an everyman in, the, in that kind of story. Yeah. I mean, he was also, a, like, an extremely great tracker and hunter as right. well on top of his shooting stuff. Right. So. Kind of reminds me of the hunter in Batman Beyond, or is his name the tracker? He's just an ordinary dude. I mean, he has like the bionic spine or whatever, like, but he's just like a, a solid tracker hunter and then that's how he kind of makes a name for himself as like a bounty hunter. I remember, yeah. I remember who you're talking about, but I'm just totally drawing a blank as you're saying that. Yeah. So, um, Alan Moore, I discovered in doing this research, he also did some writing for Spawn. He did some early work with uh, Todd McFarlane, and then he did some later, um, like a like a five-issue storyline that I'm definitely going to be checking out since um, I didn't know about it, and I'm really starting to read more Spawn. And then, you know, with McFarlane's uh, announcement of 2021 being... The year of Spawn. I don't know if that's just going to be a cash grab or if, you know, they're really going to be doing something. I know uh, McFarlane, he's getting up there in years. You see him on Instagram. He's starting to be an old man. So I don't know if he just has a bunch of ideas he wants to, you know, get out there that he hasn't been able to do yet or if he's just trying to like do a whole lot of um, just money grabbing like they do with all like the different variant covers or like uh, spinoff stories like you saw with um, 
like the metal storyline for Batman and all the different one shots that came with it. But I'm, I'm still excited about Spawn and I'm definitely excited to get into what Alan Moore uh, wrote for him because he's, you know, considered to be one of the best comic book writers in history. I don't know what your guys' opinion is. He needs on that. to dump his Spawn ideas on the world. We need more Spawn. You need more Spawn? We need more Spawn. Are we talking McFarlane? Yes. Uh, well, I, w- I, I was starting to go into um, a little bit more Alan Moore, but we should talk about McFarlane more for sure. We do. I think we do need more Spawn ideas, and I think there's going to be, what, another movie coming, right? Or is it a, a, a series, maybe? I read something about it recently. Uh, all I know is about the movie, but it's from the detective's perspective, so Spawn's not really in it. Oh, that'll be interesting. about, like, catch glimpses of him, like his shadows and stuff like that. But it's about the detective following Spawn throughout the story. Oh, great. That could be... I have mixed emotions about that. It could be really good if they do, like, less is more, but make it real, like, the CGI or whatever they're going to do, like, make it look really good. Yeah. But if they do, like, it's a really... When they actually show Spawn for that, like, what, 10 seconds, and he looks super lame... Mm-hmm then it would be like, yeah, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, the first movie uh, came out when I was pretty young, so I, I, I like it for sure. But it's not like going back and watching it, I'm not like super impressed by it. So I don't know if there's really a bar to like try to reach for like the new movie. Yeah, the the as far as what the comics I read, uh, they – didn't do a very good job in that movie of getting the story across the way it should have been. But visually, they nailed it. Oh, visually it was great. Yeah, visually it looked amazing, but the the story itself was pretty hokey and pretty lame. And I don't... Was the movie rated R? Yeah, I think yeah. so. It was? Yeah. It was like... It was... Yeah, it was, it was rated R, but it was like a lame rated R. You gotta it was, consider the times, though, that the movie came out. They were following yeah. the basic guidelines of every movie that was coming out at that time. So it that's followed true. the same. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, kind of template me, of the, it. Visually, the movie was like an A plus. The story was like an F. Yeah, or D, D, D plus maybe. Yeah, I did like what's his name, John. Leguizamo? Yeah. yeah. He did a good job. I think he did a good job. He's just so out there as an actor. He's just kind of... He brings an interesting take to his roles anyway. And I thought Michael J. White did good for what they asked him to do, but I think he could have made an excellent spawn if they did it the way it should have, and they wasted it on him. Well, that was one of his earlier They wasted him doing that movie, making a bad movie, or making a bad story, Gotcha. By not doing it right, like because I thought he did a good job. Yeah, I just I think it just it it just uh, they just didn't do it the right way. Yeah, visually, visually, like I said though, like it, it looked great, but yeah. the actual execution of the movie was pretty yeah. pretty lame. Yeah, with everything Spawn coming out, and then um, me being such a big Alan Moore fan, I'm wondering if he's gonna. Jump in on it too. I wonder. I don't even know if he's writing a whole lot anymore. I think he does some independent of, of his own stuff. And then I've got his uh, his novel uh, set uh, three issues called Jerusalem, which I'm working through, and it's pretty good now. All right. Well, back to Constantine. I, I thought you might find this interesting, Mike. Uh, 
Constantine himself was modeled after Sting, the musician, like oh. his overall look and everything. So the the, the artists um, told Alan Moore, "We want to draw Sting in the comic," and then that's literally where the character started from. They told him, "We want to we want to draw Sting," and then Alan Moore created the character from someone who looks like Sting. Like, that's, like, how the whole character came to be, which I think is, like, fascinating and kind of like a um, a good, like, argument that he's, like, such a great writer because he took just that idea and made such a dynamic character that's still living on, like, to today, and they're coming out with new things all the time. So when did they um, come up with the plans with Constantine? Um... 1984, late 1984, early 1985, because his first appearance was June 1985, and I think it was earlier that year or the end of the previous year is when they started discussing it. Okay. Because I'm trying to think what... Um, trying to think what... Um, when did Dune come out? 1984, Okay. So that was primetime Sting. That was when Sting was with the police still, and then he was doing the movie Dune. Yeah. So I could see it. That's I. I could see someone getting inspiration to just stop a person. Like, oh, what if I made a character that looked like this guy, but made my own character off that? Right. It's a pretty. It's a pretty cool idea. Then to turn one of the most popular comic book series of all time. Honestly, like, yeah, he doesn't have a ton of movies. Like, what we have one movie, a bunch of. Side animated movies, mm-hmm. but uh, you ask anybody, Constantine's up there, uh, one of the the greats of uh, comic book characters. Yeah, and I, I you know, in, I, I should have written it down, but in my earlier uh, research, they actually talked about more specifically what they were um, basing him on. So. Let me see here. Ah, it doesn't matter. So I came across, and speaking of the research and everything, uh, a kind of a funny little story that Alan Moore uh, told in a interview uh, where he he's convinced he saw Constantine in real life, and I'll just read the quote real quick. Uh, one day I was in Westminster in London. This was after we had introduced the character, and I was sitting in a sandwich bar. All of a sudden, up the stairs came John Constantine. He was wearing a trench coat, a shortcut. He looked, no, he didn't even look exactly like Sting. He looked exactly like John Constantine. Mm. He looked at me, stared me straight in the eyes, smiled, nodded, smiled, nodded almost conspiratorially, and then just walked off around the corner to the other part of the snack bar. I just sat there and thought, should I go around the corner and see if he is really there, or should I just eat my sandwich and leave? I opted for the latter. I thought it was the safest. <laughs> I'm not making any claims to anything. I'm just saying it happened. Strange little story. <laughs> I thought right. that was an interesting part of the story. Well, if anybody knows Alan Moore and what he looks like, I imagine he looked crazy back then, too. Yeah. So I'm sure that guy might have seen him like, whoa, look at that, dude. And it's like, hey, how you doing? Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, if you remember the... The cover for, like, and I, I know a lot of people had to read The Giver in high school, and the cover was, like, this crazy old bearded man, and that's kind of yeah. pretty much, I, th- I feel yeah. like, Alan Moore. 
So after his appearance in Swamp Thing, he got super popular, and uh, he got his own series called Hellblazer, which premiered in 1988, and I was lucky enough to come across a number one copy of that, and that'll also be on our Instagram later. Um, and then like some of his appearances, he had his Hellblazer series with Vertigo, and it ran for a very long time, and then he was given a new kind of identity in Constantine when the New 52 booted, and then you know, kind of the leader of Justice League Dark, which Justice League Dark, uh, the New 52 was okay, but Justice League Dark in the Rebirth uh, era, I thought was a great storyline, and they've made some good animated movies from it, too. Okay, so yeah, I didn't read any of the, um, the uh, Rebirth with the Justice League Dark. I, I'd seen it, I'd seen you like getting them and all that, but I did watch anything that was Justice League Dark. Yeah, and I remember watching the one where Constantine, where it had everybody, but Constantine, I think, made the fake house to trap somebody in. Oh, the House of Mystery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the first one that came out of that, and I watched that, and I watched another one where I don't know if it was dark, but it was, I think, Batman was also in the other one. I know I've seen two or three. Batman was in the Justice League Dark. He was in Apocalypse, mm-hmm. which is the latest one that came out. And then there's pretty good. And then there there was one Constantine. I think it was called City of Demons. Okay, and uh, that was a really good one too. And then from there, you know, Hell, Hellblazer got its own title and Rebirth. And then the new stuff right now is Hellblazer Rise and Fall, which is on their DC's. Um, Black Label, which is the more adult-oriented comic book line, it's like that doesn't have to do anything with Rebirth. No, no, it, the, the, the Black Label is a newer thing where it tells more rated M for mature stories, so yeah. it gets like more violent. Um, I think there's probably romance, quote unquote. Yeah, and like the <laughs> Batman, uh, one of the first Black Labels was. Uh, Batman damned and in the first issue they show Bruce Wayne's junk and um, so the people started calling it uh, the first appearance of the Batwang <laughs> and that actually that book um, he, hung, he hung dong that comic <laughs> <laughs> uh, that one he they when they reprinted it like the second printing third printing they edited that out just because of the huge response, which I don't understand because, the, you know, the black label is more adult-oriented, and I don't think you can really get too mad about a, a drawn penis when, <laughs> you know, it's an adult book. But the reprinted, that was edited out. But the first issue, the first printings, like, as soon as it came out, people were getting them CGC'd and selling them for a minimum of 90 bucks. And it was a huge print run, so there's tons out there, but still, people are still spending, like, 90-plus dollars. Um, and then Sandman Hellblazer. So Constantine was in the original Sandman storyline, briefly. Mm-hmm. He helped out uh, the Sandman and uh, get his bag of sand back. Because um, I don't know if you're familiar with the Sandman story. Well, I, I'm sure you've read it. But it's read, been a while. I've been. Uh, 
I didn't. That's one of the ones where I, re- I really like it, but I did not sit down and just read a whole complete series. Right. Or his whole a very sporadic, like picking up one and seeing it at a comic book store or something like that. It's it's one of those I want to get into and just like take yeah days just to focus on this because from what I see, it's a great character. It's, yeah. It, when you have great comic book people like Kevin Smith. Doesn't make the greatest movies of all time. Yeah. Sometimes. He makes some great ones like Dogma. Yeah. Uh, but when he's saying that's one of his favorite comic book series of all time, like it made, it got me like, okay, well I need to read this. Yeah. Uh Neil Gaiman, he's the creator of Sandman. And I know Neil Gaiman, I know he's great. Yeah, he's really great. And actually uh my mother in law is actually a big fan of him. He did some uh uh, he's done a lot of novels, and then he did a lot of work with one of her favorite authors, uh, Terry Pratchett, and his whole Discworld universe. But so yeah, the Sandman—he's like the demon of, or the Eternal. I guess they're more than demons of uh, sleep and like dreams and nightmares and stuff like that. But he gets summoned because these people are trying to summon death. And then capture death so no one can die. They can live forever. And then they bring people back from the dead. And that's the theory. And so they tried to summon death, but they got sleep. Because sleep, which I think is awesome, is the younger brother of death. Which I think is just a great idea, you know. Because it's like just one step away from death kind of thing. So they weren't powerful enough to get death. So they got sleep. And then they took away his bag of sand, his helmet. And something else and rendered him powerless and kept him for like, like, I don't know, like captive, like 70 years. And, um, it just tore the whole world apart. And then when he finally broke free, he enlisted Constantine to help him get his stuff back just because he's, um, got like, like the powers of like divination, which is like, you can like locate things on a map. And speaking of the powers, just list off, um, have you read Sandman, Chris? No. No. All right. Well, that was a good input. Thank you. <laughs> um, so uh, just a list of Constantine's powers that I've uh, found so arcane knowledge he's just he knows all about the old magic spells curses demons golems uh, astral projection you know just you know he can go anywhere through time and space uh, divination which is locating things demon summoning that's Obvious black magic cursing, exorcism, what you see in the Constantine movie, a really good example of that. Yeah, that was bad. And then spirit word bad. creation, I thought was uh, cool. Like, basically, he can put like little signs and symbols on you to stop you from getting like demonically or spiritually attacked or anything like that. Um, and he can do the magic circles, which you see in some of the animated movies where he's inside the circle and protected. Um, realm travel, uh, Golemancy, which is raising a golem, and I, I learned a golem is like a a clay figure that you can. It's like in Jewish tradition, um, and you can like bring it to life and like you know kill people and attack people. I think they have that in the the, uh, DC Dark movie too. Oh, okay. Remember him having some figure. I remember them saying about golemancy. Yeah, and uh, the Occlumency, which I only knew. It's going to be lame, but from the Harry Potter world, um, they, they, they dove into that for a little bit. That's like mind reading and control. And then necromancy, you're raising the dead. Illusion, make you see whatever you want you to see. 
um, evocation, you know, uh, summoning demons or anything else. Uh, self-resurrection, I thought that was cool. He chose to die, and then what he did was is he escaped from the afterlife, and then uh, he was just alive again. Okay. And then pyromancy, that's, you know, fire, summoning fire, projecting fire, using fire as a weapon, invisibility, time travel, and then synchronicity, wave traveling. And you see this a lot. They don't call it that really, um, but you see this a lot, like how he's always lucky and he's always getting through. Like a lot of his friends die, um, like in the, um, the original Hellblazer title, they're always alluding to the disaster in Newcastle. And what that is, is he got over it in over his head and like summoned this demon and it all went to hell for him. And like a lot of his friends died and he got out of there and he's just the luckiest uh, guy in the world. Kind of like, like Domino in Deadpool. Oh yeah. Where her, her superpower is lucky. Doesn't look as good. (laughs) Yeah. You know, not nearly as good. And then, um, Oh, something else I thought was interesting. Um, he, his blood gets tainted in a storyline. Like he gets injected with like demon blood. And uh, so that like slows down his aging, and then it also, uh, or well, he, he still ages the same as far as years go, but his body doesn't go with the years. Okay. And then he was also his blood also got tainted by a succubus, and if you're not familiar with the succubus, he basically got raped by a ghost. So that's how his blood got tainted. But one of the interesting things about Constantine <laughs> is... Uh, ghost AIDS. Ghost AIDS. <laughs> uh, ghosts can give you STDs too, people. You learn something new every day. <laughs> you heard it here first. I'm sure there's a ghost clinic somewhere. <laughs> Ghost-free and, clinic. Well, they don't have insurance. What's the lame thing that they would always do? They do it now. Still it. And knowing is power. Like, <laughs> Knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. <laughs> um. Well, a cool thing about Constantine is he ages in the comic book storylines. So, yeah, he started out like in his 20s, like in um, Swamp Thing, and then he aged throughout Hellblazer, but then he also aged across storylines, like reboots and everything like that. Um, he He's like one of the only characters to grow older. So, he is he re- aging in like real time? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and so as the story goes along, and then there's other offshoots where like they they stopped mentioning it and stuff like yeah. that because eventually he was just going to be like 150 years old, yeah. you know. But they um he was like in his 50s during uh the new 52, I believe, and um they brought it up and everything and he attributed it to, "Oh, you don't look 50 at all." And he goes, "Oh, that's not tainted blood. The ghost aids." Okay. Yeah. <laughs> ghost herpes yeah um and then that kind of brings us up to the constantine movie which we were watching before we started recording with the magnificent keanu reeves keanu it's a great movie yeah it's one of my favorites it doesn't follow the comics at all it it doesn't and i i want to know where they came up with the whole story from it because it's like I don't know. I don't feel like it even inter- interweaves with the comic a lot. I feel like it just has little bits and pieces, and then they went and completed, completely did their own story. Yeah, from that. Yeah, like they they took the idea and then re- did their own thing. 
He like he wore a suit, but he wore a black suit. In the comic book series, he wears a brown trench coat. Yeah, trench coat. Yeah, <laughs> and then actually, and he has his, blonde hair. Yeah, and the blonde hair for sure. And uh, in his original appearances um, or early um, character, it was um, uh, it was always the white shirt with the tie kind of thing. And then, but he early on he wore like a pinstripe suit under the trench coat and then it kind of just went to like you know dress shirt and trench coat but he wasn't a full pinstripe suit in the, in the early days what would you say from that movie that they uh, they got right and what would you say was like a big part of the movie that they got wrong knowing no you knowing the comics so well okay well um actually what I, I do have a um a bit to say about it, but one of the interesting things was doing my research and stuff today uh, and last night. I don't know Constantine nearly as well as I thought I did. I mean, I know a good amount about him, and I know um, enough to compare it to the movie and everything, but there's just so much like offshoots and like him going into like different storylines because you know he was originally in Vertigo and then he came into DC for um, the new 52, but then he also. Like, I didn't learn about the the Sandman appearances until recently, you know, uh, and, uh, probably like two months ago when I was reading. But as far as what they got right, the Papa Midnight was in it, except Papa Midnight was huge. Like, he was like, it's a huge hulking figure yeah. in the comics. And then Chaz Kramer, who played by Shia LaBeouf. LaBeouf. The, the, the Chaz LaBeouf. is in the comics, but it's not nearly the same character. Okay. But, it, but it, 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 Chaz is there. Okay. And then, you know, the demon stuff is pretty accurate. Uh, he, I don't know if he really touted himself as the exorcist like it does in the movie. But, I mean, there is examples of that in the comic books. And then they did get one frame exactly, or one um, part of a story, a few panels, exactly in the movie. And that's when he traps the spider under the glass and blows smoke into it. That's taken directly out of the comic book like that 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 exists in the panels and i i know just for me the comics i've read i like i haven't like gone into a complete story and like read a whole like the whole series of the watchmen uh-huh. and just know everything about the watchmen no i i've read bits and pieces and a decent amount of uh, of constantine yeah but his summoning power how many times did he summon in the movie? I felt like, what, once or twice? Yeah, not even really, yeah. you know? Um, like, he like he tries to, um, uh, kind of like an, uh, his power of, uh, let me take a look here, evocation, the summoning. He kind of does that with trying to bring Gabriel, like when he throws his forearms together and into mm-hmm. the light, I command thee. So that's one of his powers, right? And trying to, like... Gabriel's already there, just have to make him visual. So that is uh, fairly accurate, uh, I guess. Um, but, like, yeah, no, he he summons all the time in the comic books. And then, uh, you know, the demon, Etrigan, Etrigan the demon, he, he um, speaks in rhymes. And uh, he does that in the comic books and then in the animated movies as well. So he, he summons Etrigan a lot. Uh, especially in the later uh, comic books. And Etrigan's a great character. We should uh, look into him one of these days. He's great in the animated movies. His 
title is great too, reading the demon, and then he makes different appearances everywhere. And then, so and then the, uh, yeah, recently I've been seeing stuff for a Constantine two, and you know Keanu Reeves they wanted him to come back, and then he was busy with he was going to be busy with the the Matrix four and uh, John Wick four. But I guess recently he had said he's wanting to do Constantine Part 2. And so I was looking that up, and it's only rumors online and stuff. But what I did see was that Steve Bichette and uh, Jamie Delano, who were the original like writers and artists for Hellblazer, were going to be involved with Constantine 2. Okay. So if, the, if the, those rumors are true, I'm really interested to see how the movie's going to develop and if it's going to stay along the lines of the first movie or if it's going to be more comic book related or maybe like a hybrid of the two. Yeah. Like, yeah, like kind of like how Deadpool was from Wolverine where he was like a very way off. Right. Ryan Reynolds is, I don't know. I I don't know how he was directing that movie and what he was told to do, but it was way off. And then he did Deadpool the movie and it was, Exactly what it should be and better. Yeah. So maybe they might do that route. I don't. But at the same time, it's not being negative, Nancy. But it is negative, Mike. Here, <laughs> is that going to translate to film very well? Because Constantine's such a great character. Yeah. I I really hope it translates to film great because the comic looks so great. Yeah. But I don't know if people are going to be able to understand it. That doesn't make that. Doesn't mean that it's not good. It just is it going to translate to the masses, right? And I think with the DC movies, with all the Marvel movies and everything, I think people are going to be a lot more open to comic book movies in general. So I think if they yeah. were to do it, now is the time. Yeah, especially and, after. Sorry to cut you off, Kevin. But the the Justice League they did. I I just watched it last night, and they. They did like the most like try not they try to do the most true comic book they could yeah and it was great and everything I've seen well we give it like a week or two and see what people see say yeah because then people will start watching just because people are saying you need to watch this yeah I yeah. thought it was great just because they try to stay true to the comic and put actual characters and actual parts from the comics and it's you already have this great story make a great movie for yeah and. And, yeah, and the original cut of the Justice League, like you and I were talking about earlier, I mean, you see Darkseid's Omega symbol and everything, and you see his soldiers, and then they just don't even mention... Darkseid's not said once in in the original Justice League cut. And anybody who's seen the new Justice League, and you actually see Darkseid multiple times in the movie, you're just... you're like, oh my god, this is amazing, and then you're just like, oh, Josh Whedon, because <laughs> it, it's just, how do you not have show him? Just show him yeah. for a couple of things. Just show him like somewhere, like just yeah. It was very, side. it was very confusing, and you know, and like you had said, like you know, Kevin Smith is like such a big comic book fan, and I was listening to his podcast a while ago. And he was even saying, like, he was expecting to see Darkseid, and he really doesn't understand, like, how that happened when you see his his symbol and everything and, like, his post-world and, the, and all that, uh, and then not even mention it. Like, it was very confusing. Yeah, when you, you're trying to build up to the second one. Yeah. Like, 
They so you're trying to make it like the Avengers, and then you haven't even showed like imagine the Avengers and they didn't show Thanos until the second one of the last movies. Right. You'd be like this sucks. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, you can like like you show the gauntlet, but you don't even mention Thanos or something, you know? Yeah. What do you think of uh, the Josh Whedon Justice League, Chris? I haven't seen it yet. You didn't see the first I one? I haven't seen it. No? Oh, my gosh. Man, I'm glad you're here. <laughs> <laughs> you're really contributing. Yeah. Appreciate it. There's so much to do with my must-watch list. Um, actually, a good watch example. Watch that one before you watch the new one. Yeah, so that way you can suffer like the rest of us. Wait, which, which Justice League? The, the first one. First the one oh, I've seen the first one. The first one? Oh, okay. yeah. Okay. The first one's Joss Whedon. The second one's Zack Snyder. Oh. See, I I thought the first Justice League I watched a couple times. Like, it's okay. It's first one was bad. good. Yeah. Okay. I like well, it. No, you, and then you watch the new Justice League, and you'd be like, that fucking blew the first one. <laughs> you'll, you'll, it, it doesn't matter that I had four hours. It was the fact that like when you see... What they did different with the story and made it better. Mm-hmm. I know they had more time to do it, but with with Snyder, what he wanted to go with that, the the Josh Whedon ones blew so bad, yeah, and, so bad. And it, I it think, didn't give us anything. It just gave us little bits and pieces that we didn't give a crap about. Yeah, and I think a good indicator of how great this new one is is how hard the actors were pushing for it. Yeah, like the actors knew. The Justice League that came out was not what it was supposed to be, and they knew how much better it could be. And, and it, it wasn't. It was. It was. It was like a, such a for them to put that out and say, yeah. "This is great. That like, you guys need to watch this." And we put all this money into it. Yeah. Like I, I the studios, I felt like should have went from the and, and obviously they would have lost money, so obviously they wouldn't. They didn't want to do that, but they should have said. Hey, we were going to do the Snyder Cut, and I guarantee you it was going to be better because it's what we saw so far. Yeah. Because it, it's, it's, at least it gave the people that knew what they were talking about and reading the comics, at least it gave them what they want. Yeah. Even if it was going to bomb. And it, I think it would have been a lot better and done, done a lot better if, if Snyder got his chance to do it. And unfortunately, stuff with his daughter came up and, and, and fortunately, he was able to come back to it and kind of pay tribute to her by doing it and completing it. And I, yeah. I thought it was great. And I, I would highly recommend it to anybody who watches comic book movies or reads comics. Okay. <clears throat> More Constantine rumors that he's going to be like in the justice league movie world later and, or they're going to be doing justice league dark movies. And, um, uh, Constantine and Batman have a long history in the comic books. Like, Batman was the first one to be like, what's going on in the world right now is not natural and it involves magic. We need John Constantine. Like, yeah. b- like, cause Batman being the not everyday guy, cause he's like, you know, like a billionaire with access to all this stuff, but like a no powers guy, I think it leaves him a lot more open minded. Because, you know, like Green Lantern, Wonder Woman, Superman, like they're the, like these gods and they think that they can handle everything. Whereas Batman, he has to rely on his human abilities. So he, I think he's more open minded and that's why he's willing to bring Constantine like that's into the, I, the world and everything. That's what I like about the Snyder universe that he's, 
I didn't like Batman vs Superman, but in the comic, in the in the comics that he um, he had always told everybody I could handle myself. Yeah. And in the Snyder universe, he they 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 know Batman's a human that he can die like just like that. Yeah. But. And they try to protect him, but then they kind of know too, like, oh, if this guy gets in a pickle, that he's going to pull himself out of it. Mm-hmm. But he, he has the opportunity to. Yeah. And so that's, I, I think if they, if they go that route, they need to keep doing the Snyder universe. Even if it's not Snyder doing it, they need to do, they need to have Ben Affleck being Batman. Yeah. They need to have everybody that's been part of the Justice League so far. They need to do individual movies to build it up. That's what they need to do. Yeah. Because that's what they've established that Batman. Like, Pattinson, I'm sure, is going to do a great job. But it's they need to go along with this storyline. Yeah. Because that's the best option. Because Affleck killed it, and then he's having this Batman. For that, trying to bat, that kind of Batman. And anybody who says, well, he didn't do a very good job as Batman. Well, you don't know the kind of Batman story that he's trying to do. Yeah. And I think he did a really good job, especially when you think, like, he's an older Bruce Wayne. So, like, I would love to see him do, like, the, a correct storyline of, like, The Dark Knight Returns or something. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's like, like everyone's saying Michael Keaton. But yeah. at this point, are we going to get that? I would love it, but are we going to get that? And how is it going to be? And right. how overproduced is it going to be? And how are they going to mess it up? Mm-hmm. Like... If we can get one solo Batman, uh, Ben Affleck movie, and then get like a, like say Batman Beyond or Dark Knight Returns movie, uh-huh. like <clears throat> that's, that's good enough for me because we've had Ben Affleck Batman and he's done a great job and it's sprinkled here and there, but I, I want to see Ben Affleck standalone Batman right. on his own because yeah. I know he can do good because he's the best part of the movies. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Another, when we were talking about Constantine 2 and wondering how it's going to play, have you seen the Constantine TV show? Because I never watched it. Was that the one on sci-fi? I th- if it was on sci-fi or BBC, I don't remember. Um, but it was with the... Uh, yeah, it was on BBC, I think. And then I think they played it on sci-fi. And I think I watched an episode or two and I messaged you about yeah, I haven't, I didn't get to watch it, but I know that the guy that played Constantine in those, he's the one that does the voice in the animated movies. And I think he does a great job in that. Yeah. He, he was, in this, he was good. And I love him in the animated movies. Yeah. And then if you want to see a good example of Dark Side, like, like outside of the, the new Justice League cut, the Justice League Dark Apocalypse animated movie is all about Dark Side. Because he does, doesn't he does all the voices, right? Pretty much now for Constantine. Yeah, I think so. For me, for me, he's like um, Kevin Conroy, which Kevin Conroy, if anybody doesn't know or just might know the name, he is from the Batman animated series, and he does the Batman voice a lot. Uh, I think this guy is on that level. Yeah. Is like that's how good he is, and then the show he did a really good job too. Yeah, like I watched a couple of episodes. I remember. Yeah, I need to watch that. I claim to be like such a big Constantine fan. I haven't even seen like the basic, de- like depiction of him in the TV show. 
So right now in the background, we are sticking with Keanu Reeves. So on the TV, we have John Wick 2 playing uh, with the volume off just because I I, I feel like if we're going to be sitting here talking about Constantine and then talk about Keanu Reeves and possibly Constantine 2, you got to put in the the John Wick movies too because I, I really think that Man, that's such a great role for him. He does such a good job. Like, he did such a good job in Constantine, and it's not even what it, like the comic book depicts, but he just made that character his own. And then add John Wick to that, man. And I just, you you love Con- uh, Keanu Reeves more and more all the time. He's just. Well, let's turn this into Constantine, quick, Keanu Reeves. Episode. Quick side note the oh, series right. was aired on NBC. NBC. Yeah. Like, trying to correct us, huh? Why don't you go get your own podcast and talk about how bad we are? Chris? I want to make you sound dumb on your podcast. <laughs> I make myself sound dumb. I don't need you to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I was kind of close. NBC, BBC, yeah, you know, you had the B and C in off. there. There you know. go. CBC, uh, CBS, something, something, whatever. <laughs> Is NBC the people that do the, uh, the Peacock? Yeah, maybe yeah. it's on there. I'll have to check that out then. Um, yeah, the. I know me and Chris got to see the John Wick 3 opening night. It was like at 7 o'clock. It was the, the showing before the midnight showing, I think. Or it, was, it was either 7 or 8 or I can't remember what the deal was, but it was before the midnight showing. And uh, I remember I got tickets and this girl I was trying to date at the time like blew me off, so I'm like, alright, well it's bros before hoes at this point and <laughs> called Chris, right? I think I talked to him at work. He's like, yeah, let's go. It was like the day of. I'm like, all right. Yeah. So I have a picture of us like at the theater. And I remember just watching, this is number three, like watching half, halfway through at some point, just leaning over to him going, this movie's badass, dude. It's <laughs> <laughs> three. Was, and it, it was. Yeah. I would have loved to have seen it in theater, but I, I, I just never go to the movies any. Well, no one's going to the movies right now, yeah. but, but before everything, I, I just wasn't able to keep on going to the movies after my son was born. Well, the, the first one, how did you guys feel about that movie? The, the first one, I think, has the best story. Yes. But the, the whole killing the dog thing was just like, I mean, I it was necessary to the story, but it was it was like, do you have to show it? Like, yeah, <laughs> it's such a cute. Did you have to use a beagle? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> did you have to pull out my heartstrings this much? You know? Yeah, and uh, and I think I was telling uh, both of you guys at work the other day. My wife Erin, when we watched that movie, she was just bawling and bawling yeah, and crying her eyes out. And uh, and don't get me wrong, like you know, I, I can't cry in front of. You know, my wife, I can cry in front of my wife, but not watching a movie. I got to keep my man card a little bit, at least in front of her. (laughs) Yeah, just sitting there holding it in. Don't cry. Um, man. See the tear drop in and then he sucks it back up. (laughs) Flex it back back up in. Back up to his duct. (laughs) Um, And then uh, it was like six, seven months later. We hadn't watched the movie since then, but she uh, was uh, then a few months pregnant and then we were just watching something on TV and it was just a commercial. It didn't have anything to do with anything. And, uh, she just starts crying. I'm like, at this point I'm kind of getting used to that a little bit. Cause she'd been pregnant for a few months. 
I asked her, like, why are you crying? And she just starts, the dog and John Wick died. Why'd they have to kill the dog? <laughs> so I thought that was pretty funny because we hadn't even discussed the movie at all. She just started crying out of nowhere. So one, I think, had the best story. Two was good. Three, the action was just incredible. Like, I think they tried to increase the body count of in every movie. And um, I think the first body count in the movies was like 80 something or around a hundred. And then they almost doubled that in two. And then I think they went like, I think they tripled that. Tripled that. In and three. number three just come more than one and two combined. Yeah. And, and like, that was the goal. Like they that was started off the with the body count. Yeah. The behind the scenes stuff. Cause I really like the behind the scenes stuff when it comes to um, like movies and stuff. Um, the YouTube, clips of Keanu Reeves on the gun range training. Yeah. He does the, the three gun uh, target practice, which, you know, three gun is uh, assault rifle, handgun, shotgun. Um, and then just watching him train. That guy is an artist when it comes to the, the, the action target shooting. Yeah. The transition from those, it's not a, Oh, I could pick up this and do this, and I, like no, like you were shooting off a gun. It's this thing can recoil, and hit you, hurt you. Yeah, and this guy is just trans, like just seamlessly like I'm picking up this one, bam, 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 bam. I'm picking up this one, just going off. I'm, yeah, like it's there's nothing to him, and he's doing it all the right way, and it, yeah. it's, yeah. it's still dangerous. Yeah, but it's still a, well, and then he's and and what's great is he's on metal targets, so you hear him hit every single target, and yeah. as fast as he is firing. And granted, in practice, and uh, he's probably using lighter loads so that he's able to shoot faster and stay on target a little bit, so a little less powder, a little less kick, a little less recoil. Um, but I mean, that being said, I mean there's still kick, there's still recoil, and he's still dead on target. Uh, with every single uh, with every single shot, and you hear it hitting every single time. And the place that he was practicing, it was in L.A. And before uh, Rogan moved to Texas, that same guy uh, that was training uh, Keanu Reeves actually gave um, Joe Rogan a very nice handgun, and it was like all like uh, just top-notch stuff right now and like a, all the, a target all the celebrities gun. go i was reading that all the celebrities go there yeah and the ones that don't know what they're doing are like oh shit i shouldn't be here yeah because that guy's legit like, yeah <laughs> well but i think they should be there because if they don't know what they're doing one right. of the best in the world yeah. is the guy to learn from that dude's he, i've watched videos of dude's badass yeah and then with john wick three then there's the behind the scenes clips of Halle Berry training, mm. and man, does she get good too? I don't know if she had much experience with guns or anything like she that beforehand, because she was awesome. She was doing. Um, I mean, I don't know if she was on par with Keanu Reeves, but she wasn't far behind. Yeah, she is, and just the way she was, she was talking to those dogs. That's not acting. That's yeah. Not, that's like. Oh yeah, she she had a relationship with those dogs. You don't pick that up in like a couple days or yeah. a week or two weeks or something. No. That's you, you live that and you know, okay, this is what you have to do. Like, yeah, man, she did a good job and I don't know how old she is now, but I feel like she gets better looking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you can say the same thing about Keanu Reeves too, but 
think Halle Berry kind of beats him out a little bit. Yeah, I would. Uh, if it was between Keanu and Halle, I would have a hard time not picking Halle, but uh, <laughs> Keanu would be right there. Right. I mean, the amount of training that they committed for making these movies, that's part of what drew me to the first one. Uh-huh. Because a lot of action movies, you know, if you're not a gun person, or if you are, you can hide it. You would know. Yeah. Oh, this this person shot this gun X amount of time. They never reload yeah, in yeah. certain certain amount movies. Yeah. And in the John Wick movies, they key they honed in on that detail, which made it more realistic. Yeah, where he's counting his shots and throwing guns, yeah. picking up more, checking the but mags to see how many's yeah. in the mag and yeah. all that. And it's I mean that speaks volumes to the movie. Yeah, and, and the series is just in the, as a whole. Yeah, and that's what makes it. Even more badass. Yeah, and for those of you who are, I don't know, I, I don't know if gun enthusiast is the right word or not, but in uh, number two, when he picks up that 1911 handgun, because that's my personal favorite, uh, man, he is just a badass with it. And, you know, that's a that's a big round. That's a forty five caliber. And then I know uh, a few different people who competitively – uh, shoot and like they just spoke volumes about his his weapon control his stance his how he's holding the gun and like you know like if he's holding it straight up and down when he's firing and then you know kind of cocking it to the side a little bit to kind of give his arms a break when he's going around corners and you're still tactically active but like you know you're more relaxed and your muscles don't get tired like people uh, they were just speaking volumes to his training and his expert level of ability everything was done proper Yes. Yeah, and the and like you said, the fact that he was even reloading is just fantastic because, well, like Tombstone's a great movie, but how how many shots are you going to get out of those revolvers? Yeah. I feel like they kept on well, going. What is that like six or eight? Six, six for them yeah. uh, back then. Yeah, then they're just bah, 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 and it's like thirty five shots later, and not you've not seen them put one bullet back into the damn gun. Right. And then and back then, I don't know if it's getting too specific, but it wasn't even like your standard rounds for like what Doc Holliday was shooting, it was like a navy revolver. And like that takes some time to reload. <laughs> well, it, and if you think about it too, is I would have to look back. May, maybe they do, but I know they have bolts and everything, but do they have bags with like bolts in them and stuff? I don't remember <laughs> seeing them in the movies. No, I think I, they they probably do. They probably put that little detail in there. But how many bullets can you realistically put in there? They're they're firing off 155, right? And they haven't loaded up once, and they it's can a full put on firefight with black powder pistols. Yeah. It's like <laughs> yeah. really, yeah. yeah. They got like realistically 40 bullets, yeah, per person. Like <laughs> yeah, and it's not like they have like big packs on them to where they're carrying you know hundreds of rounds of ammunition like a soldier would or yeah, something like that i mean yeah no they're, they're not they're not uh carrying big old bags and have like huge bandoliers or anything okay so now we transition to john wick three we're in the beginning of the movie now with bobon he's about to bash bobon's head in with the book bobon's a nba player which i love but when he my favorite part is like is he bobon wraps his hand around him and he's uh what seven foot six and he just wraps his hand around him, and his hand just, like, completely goes over his head and, like, touches the back of his head because he's so big. Like. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, it, man, yeah, I'm excited because I love uh, the dog work with Halle Berry. Those, those Malinois are just 
They're, Malinois they're amazing. are unreal. Yeah, they're just amazingly trained, and they're such athletic dogs. I think I think Chris would might agree with me on this. Um, seeing Bobon in this for me, like going back to Bruce Lee's movie where Cream, a Cream on Gujarat was in it, uh-huh. and he just like kicks Bruce Lee, and you see like the footprint on Bruce Lee, and it, like it's from like his. His, his neck to like the bottom of his belly button almost because his like, foot's so big. So, yeah. Seeing Bobon in this, like he, he obviously is not on the same scale as Kareem. Like Kareem was like a, a superstar at his time and stuff and one of the greatest of all time. But just seeing that the massive of a man, like being a professional athlete, like I, I loved it because I know Bobon because he's such a great guy. But just, just seeing it in this movie, I was, I, it, it was like a, not a nostalgic feeling, but it was a, it was a good feeling and a great thing. To Sense see. of homage. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's what they were trying to go for, but it, it, for me, it was a, I, I, I loved it. Just like, oh, it's, it's kind of like, maybe it's kind of like seeing Kareem back when he kicked Bruce Lee in the chest and left a 35 inch imprint <laughs> on his chest. <laughs> yeah. Um, is it, is it this, uh, movie or is it number two where he gets like, like the super fine Italian suit that's also like stab and bulletproof. Is I think it, this it's it's number two, right? Because he's still in favor. Uh, I think yeah, 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 yeah. It might be three because he comes back. Oh, that's comes, right. That's he comes right. back and like, okay, we're gonna give you this one shot. Like, yeah. Like, okay, yeah. So, oh man, breaking his neck over the book. We're, we're doing a little watch along as we're. Yeah, this is such a good movie. I feel like we're going to be a little sidetracked by this one. Um, Me and Chris got to see this. Already said this, but we got to see this like the opening night before all of this, and it was uh, it was just like a it was like one of those things like when women need to watch Sex in the City, we need to watch Johnny Wick. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it was such a satisfying feeling. And yeah, such a great movie. Such a great series of movies. Yeah, and the the operator woman. How old is she? Like in her sixties, and she's all tatted up and everything. They're all tatted. Because they're all. What are they all supposed to be? Russian with all the the, oh, the tattoo people. It's Latin. Yeah, it's all like Latin based and going back to like the assassins and and all that of of old. Good old Lawrence Fishburne. Oh, oh, speaking of which, you did a good job in that too. Yeah, awesome. and then uh, you know, I, I really like that Lawrence Fishburne was in this with Keanu, and uh, just because I thought that that dynamic was, you know, so good in the Matrix. I love seeing Lawrence Fishburne and Keanu back together because you know the Matrix movies, when the first one especially when that came out, uh, that was probably my favorite movie for a very long time. Um, and it makes me excited about, I don't know the premise. I don't know what's going on with it all or the full cast, but I'm, I'm really excited for, uh, Matrix four. Yeah. Since, since this know. is turning into a Keanu Reeves episode now, we might as well get into it. I don't know where they're going to go from that. Like, I don't know where you go from the lot. We didn't need more Matrix for me. Yeah. I don't know how other people felt, but no. And then they, I agree. I like after two, the third one kind of yeah. went far out in the outfield. And yeah. It was kind of eh. How do you come from that? Like, if you, 
don't have at least Keanu and what's her name? Fish? Uh, what's the other chick? Trinity? Trinity, right? Yeah, she, that's a character name. Yeah, I don't know her real name. Wait, okay. Um, if you don't have those two and that's what they, for me, it seems like they signal that they weren't going to. Yeah. Um, if you're not going to have them in it, like, where do you go from that? Because I don't want to see that story anymore. That's it. I cared about those characters. Yeah, I think I did see that uh, Keanu Reeves was going to be in it. I heard he was, uh, like, in the talks of doing it or something. I'm glad Will Smith turned the Matrix role down to shoot the Wild Wild West. Because wild, wild <laughs> yeah, that was a solid I don't career. know how Matrix would, wouldn't be the same if, Oh, definitely yeah. not. I mean, it, it probably could have still been good, but I just don't know if Will Smith would have been Will Smith and, you know, brought yeah. that um, to the role or what it would be like. I think, um, you know, obviously everyone knew who Keanu Reeves was and all that, but he he hadn't really, like, broken out like crazy. So I feel like it was it was still a fresh face to a he, new character. He had his moments, but not consistent yeah. to show that he could be that. Yeah. He had shown that he could be that, but he didn't have enough moments of that. Yeah, and well, that just contributes to how much of a badass he is, too, because you watch him doing all the martial arts and everything, and there's and he he had to have taken the time and put in the same commitment as he did with his weapons training for John Wick, because well, and, that dude and Bill could and Ted fight. alone, one number one and two, the weapons training zero karate moves that he did not like. Yeah. His, 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 um, well, not language classes, but his, his speech classes, he taken just to do Bill and Ted. Like right. Her. The eloquence classes. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, his air guitar was just fluid and beautiful. Yeah. Flawless. Hair? Flawless. <laughs> No, but I mean, like when you see him when he first gets into that um, that sparring program with Morpheus in the Matrix. Yeah. Like, I mean, he is he had either been studying martial arts like his whole life or a good part of his life, or he really put in the time and energy to really learn it and make it look good the right way. Yeah, because you can't you can't hide that. You can't you. At that time, you couldn't just crop someone's face and put it on another face and make it look really good. Yeah, and it they showed his fun. face. They, like It right. obviously wasn't a stunt double or yeah. anything. And I'm sure there was stunt double work in there, but like a good part of it, like it was clearly him fighting. So he kills the guy with the horse. Oh, yeah, now we're in the, the horse stalls in John Wick 3. You guys might as well watch John Wick 3 while you're listening to this. I don't think we're going to get through the whole movie, but <laughs> do yourself the favor because it's just a great movie anyway, especially if you haven't seen it. Yeah, I just I, I really love movies where body count is high. Yeah, and then just the straight-up action is just so intense throughout the entire movie. Like, there's parts where you're just like, yeah! And then there's other parts where it's just so insane that you can't help but laugh, and it's like a horrible scene, like someone's getting their head blown off or something. But, like, it's just such an intense thing that you you can't help but laugh at it. it. It's exactly what an action film should be. So, action films used to be the, the way of horror films. There, there was always some kind of formula for the 70s, the 80s, and 90s. Um, I'm sure my movie people might agree with me on this. It builds up and builds up and builds up. 
and it has a little moment or two, and it seems at about the 45-minute mark, that's when something big happens. Yeah. And then at the hour mark, that's when big things start to happen. And yeah. then at the hour and 15, and then the movie is usually an hour and 45 minutes, maybe two hours long. Yeah. Then then it comes down and it's just, uh, there's no story, just action, action, action. Yeah. And in horror, it's just horror, whatever is happening is happening. Like the, the main horror characters killing or doing whatever he's doing. Yeah. And that, that's the format. Well, this showed exactly what an action movie should be. It broke that trend because it, people were like, yeah, it's a build up, it's a build up. And everyone's like, oh, that movie was slow. Yeah. But yeah, it was slow building up because it's building to something. But this, this movie from the get go took off. Yeah. And that's like, and they, they all kind of did that, but this one was perfect. From the get go took off. We would change a scene, a scene. It was days or a day later where he could build up his energy again and then he would go off and just Bam, it was just, it was constant. It was yeah. a constant, enough story, yeah. enough everything that you need, and just made it great. Yeah. It, exactly what an action film should be. Well, exactly. and it's kind of like, um, almost like a Tarantino idea where, like, you get the apex of the movie, like, at the very beginning. Yeah. You get, like, the ending of the movie at the beginning, and then it gets the buildup. But this, like, you just get the apex, and then it continues to climb yeah. from there. It, it doesn't stop. It yeah. doesn't stop the whole time. And you're just like, how, how do you not, how do you keep doing this? Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, th- this was definitely yeah, very well to done. the peaks of action and down to the lows of the valleys, but with the combination of a great story in those valleys, and then it brings you back up yep. to the peak again. And those valleys aren't very and low, just, and they're not very long. You're just on, <laughs> on that ride the whole movie, yeah. just ups and, and it, downs, loop to loops, corkscrew turns, and now all. Now I know how movie uh, the the ladies feel with Still Magnolias and those kind of movies, where it's it's a constant. Just depressing and emotions and love and romance and love. It's the and man version of Ghost. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it's everything that we want. Like, we got a beautiful man. We got a ton of killing. It's women get like a beautiful man, and uh, he got killed, and he, it's a bunch of love and whatever. Yeah. Just imagine a theater full full of men orgasming in their seats. Yeah. <laughs> Going home, like, and telling their wives, like, you're getting lucky tonight, baby. <laughs> you're like, getting lucky. <laughs> what about, um, Keanu and Gross, or, uh, not Gross, but, uh, Point Blank. Point Break? Point Break. I don't know why I keep saying Point Blank. I said that to Kevin earlier. Uh, what was his name? Utah? Johnny Utah. Johnny Utah. <laughs> this sounds like a character from a Disney movie. Yeah, like uh, Johnny Tsunami. Johnny Tsunami, yeah. <laughs> this is Johnny Tsunami's cousin, Johnny Utah. <laughs> <laughs> he did a great job in that, but I mean, he was just kind of like, I feel like like Bill and Ted vibe kind of crossed over into that a little bit for his character. And I think that's where you kind of got the typical, like the old uh, Keanu stereotype of just like, just like empty-minded, like, actor who like was just like the same thing all the time yeah and um i think the the matrix was probably the start of um him really showing that he had some a lot more to offer although devil's advocate um, i I thought in this he kind of changed it up a little bit but he um 
And then he did speed. And then he oh, didn't change speed, it up yeah. a lot. Yeah. And then it didn't do him any favors. So it was like, then, then you can kind of start saying like, yeah, he's doing kind of the same thing. Yeah. But then you had Gary Busey. Like my, one of my favorite scenes from that movie is, uh, Gary Busey's like, um, they were sitting there on the beach or whatever. And Gary Busey's like, yeah, we need to get these. And this is when Gary Busey just had his car accident. And he's like, yeah, we need to get these meatball sandwiches. They're the best meatball sandwiches of all time. They're the great meatball sandwiches. And he's just going off about these meatball sandwiches. Yeah. Like, unnecessary amount. And then it's also directed by Catherine Bigelow, who did The Hurt Locker, which is an amazing movie. And uh, Zero Dark Thirty. Yeah. And um, so he, he goes and gets those... He goes to get those meatball sandwiches, and then Keanu, some, for some reason, ends up getting in a fist fight with these surfer guys, and it's, I think, Flea, and it's also Anthony Kiedis from Red Hot Chili Peppers. Okay. I, I know one of them's hot, uh, Anthony Kiedis, for sure. I'm pretty and, sure the other one's Flea, because I know what Flea looks like. I don't know what the other guy looks like. So, so. yeah, they get in a fist fight, and then, and then Gary Busey comes up after the fact to, like, prevent it, and then, but Keanu already handled it. And he runs up and goes, hey, you guys see some punk kids? They, like, took my stereo. Because he's not trying to blow his, his cover. Oh, yeah. And then Keanu's like, oh, man, they're over there. Whatever the deal is. And it's <laughs> like, takes off. And it's, like, the most obvious cop thing. But, like, Gary Busey looks like a crackhead at the same time. Right, yeah. <laughs> I feel like even, like, if he told me he was an undercover cop, I wouldn't believe him. I'd be yeah. like, no, <laughs> you're a crackhead. Yeah, you're not a crackhead. <laughs> but with that movie, too, like, speaking of Ghost... We had Patrick Swayze in that, and Patrick Swayze was amazing in it. So, like, you had Swayze, you had Keanu, and you had uh, Gary Busey. And Gary Busey was good. He just, at this point, he wasn't the same actor he was after yeah. his car accident. So. Was it a car accident or a motorcycle accident? Motorcycle accident. Thing. Yeah, he hit his head real hard. Yeah, and then he kind of, like, lost... His his mentality wasn't there completely the way it was before. Great yeah. actor though. Yeah, yeah it was it was a great movie. It was, I highly I highly recommend that movie if anybody hasn't seen it. It's like a good old school nostalgic action film. It's yeah. like a, a good story, not like the best story ever. Action films don't have the best stories, but it's a good story, good enough, yeah. and a great amount of action and a great climax and a great ending yeah well that, and that's another one of those movies where like if i see it on then i'm definitely going to watch it uh, he doesn't have very good uh and they surf they also they're they're cops that surf they're <laughs> cops that surf so yeah cops that are surfing patrick swayze count reeves gary Busey. yeah and he doesn't have very good uh he doesn't really demonstrate a whole lot of uh, firearms expertise in Point Break when he just shoots off his entire uh, magazine into the air. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if if it was John Wick, he could have hit him while laying down with a handgun as he was running away. He would have killed him with the surfboard. He would have killed him with the surfboard first. Yeah, he would have killed him with the meatball sandwich. <laughs> right. <laughs> he would have found a way. <laughs> Somehow with a very soft meatball sandwich, he would have broken his neck with it. I wanted to... Um, Bringing off off topic here, but uh, what about speed with Keanu? Not the J.C. Patrick, right on the boat. Uh, speed two cruise control, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't remember a whole lot of speed. I remember seeing it on USA when I was younger, but I don't no, think I ever no watched it. A whole lot of speed after the take speed. But. 
Right. <laughs> We're talking about the movie. Right. No, uh, I don't think... I know I've seen it all the way through, but it was probably, I don't know, 20 years ago. It's a... Man, that makes me feel old. It's a, it's a, it was one of those movies, it was like, you need to watch Speed, but it, it, did it hold up? No. Can they remake it? I don't know. Does anybody really take public transit? That's not in a big area. Like, yeah. Like, is anybody going to be able to take it? Can you make that movie on an Uber? (laughs) (laughs) An Uber XL? (laughs) You do not take this Uber. Prius below 50 miles an hour. It can't get to 50. Yeah. It's a Prius. Yeah. Do not exceed 40 miles an hour then. <laughs> it was, uh, first time was, it was a great movie. I watched that movie a lot. I remember having it on VHS and that was one of the movies I'd watch. Uh, but it definitely, it was cool to see Keanu get pushed into the limelight. And then it was one of those, it's, it, it was definitely one of those movies that stereotyped him. Yeah. Yeah, it really, it really helped stereotype him. It helped him get bigger in exposure, but it stereotyped him even further. Yeah, and when he's not, because he, he, yeah, he is an action star, but he's he is for me, he is my favorite action star of all time. Yeah, you know, yeah, mine too. And then what's that movie he did recently where he was like the Asian girl's boyfriend, and he played himself, but he was like really weird and all spiritual and everything. Like, I love your soul. And he just played, like, just this huge douchebag. Aaron loves that movie, and uh, I've seen it once, but I'll, I'll watch that scene over and over again. Like, his character, like, it's it's hilarious. Like, you can... He, he has a good sense of humor to him, too. Me, we were watching the preview right before this. Uh, it was, I think it was John number two, and it was, like, uh, these two girls walk into Keanu's house after his wife and kids leave, and then he has a threesome with them, and then he tells them, oh, that was a mistake, get out of here. And then they come back, and they're trying to kill him. And it was a pretty lame movie. The, the preview looks amazing. Builds up the movie so much, but the, the actual movie was like, eh. Yeah. Well, we failed to bring up his best movie, which was uh, Lake House. Yeah. What about Scanner Darkly? Scanner Darkly was good. Yeah. That was so weird, but it Robert was so Nier- good. Or Robert, Robert De Niro, I'm sorry, people. Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Was uh, great in that. Renona Ryder was great in that because she's, when she plays herself, spastic, crazy person. Yeah. And then Keanu was just Keanu. At least the way it looked, the animation that they used. Mm hmm. That was, um, was a great movie. Yeah. Well, while we're talking here, let's, let me look up his, uh, IMDb and get some more of his movies since. Oh, I this is all more. Replicas. Replicas. That was a good one. Ready? Ready for this one? Uh-huh. Duke Kaboom from Toy Story 4. <laughs> <laughs> oh, was that him? Yeah. That was I, him. Just watched, I just watched Toy Story 4 for the first time. Literally just uh, two weeks ago. I I could see him, like, voicing that and having the same face reactions. And his, like, eyebrows just getting, like, really big. Like, we gotta do this! And just, like... I could see Keanu totally doing that. Like, yeah. Oh, well, I'm sitting here looking at his um, IMDb. We got The Matrix 4, and his role is Neo. Uh, we got John Wick Chapter 4 and John Wick Chapter 5 what? listed on here, so that's, that's going to be cool. I'll watch it. John Wick 35. <laughs> yeah, John Wick, yeah, exactly. John Wick 68. 
And then I'll be at the movie theater like, those young punks don't understand what John Duke Wick used to be. <laughs> I used to come out here with my friend Chris and we would, would stay up to the hours of 9 p.m. watching John Wick. <laughs> you know John Wick with the pit bull. I know John Wick with the beagle. <laughs> <laughs> the dog doesn't exist anymore. He has escaped. <laughs> 47 Ronin. What did you guys think of that one? Eh. 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 Oh, yeah, that's right. He did a bunch of martial arts movies yeah, in a row. I expected uh, big things from that, and then I watched it, and I was like, eh, that's okay. Man of Tai Chi. I don't think I've seen that. I haven't seen that. Either. And then Extreme Pursuit. Yeah, he did a, a lot of just martial arts movies in a row, huh? Street Kings, that was a good one. That was, that was, that was a good one. Good it was disappointing for me just because I built it up in like this is gonna be an amazing movie, but I did love the scene in the beginning where he's telling the dude, where he's telling the dude about uh, about the different languages that he speaks, and I can't say exactly what he said because it was it was pretty bad, uh-huh. but I just liked the way he explained it to the dude and like, well, you act like this and you do this and you do this, but what really are you like? And he's talking about the different races. And goes, what motherfucker? And then they like, I think the dude punches them or something. I can't remember what the deal was, but it was like such a retro of the movie. Like it was like, was that necessary? Like it was like, was that unnecessary uh, racial profiling? Like necessary? Well, I think that really just spoke to his character because he was just a burnt out cop, alcoholic. Yeah, and uh, he just really got like. gotten <laughs> really got over his head and was like just too far into it. I think. And Forrest Whitaker was in it. And yeah. I don't know how other people feel about him, but for me, he's one of my least favorites. Like, he was okay in the um, Star Wars movie, the Rogue One, I think he was in that. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, but in that, he just, he, 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 I could fix this. I could fix this. I, could fi-. I feel like he says that every scene of every movie that he ever does, I could fix this. <laughs> or he just, he's always out of breath. Yeah, he's always out of breath, and he's like, oh, and he's sweating. Like I got access. Like I feel like that's where Swinnick ran in that show. Like he, yeah. his wife is like, "Hey, the the shower curtain it, it ripped off, and we just need to replace it." I can fix this. <laughs> I feel like Forrest Whitaker. Oh, Johnny Mnemonic. Great movie. I love that. I've watched that movie so many times. Yeah, and then he did. Oh, that's right. He did Dracula. He had. He had one of the greatest haircuts of all time where it was like kind of a buzz cut, but then he had that unnecessary sideburns where it was like three inches above the ears. Right. Yeah. <laughs> where you didn't need to cut it that much, but he did anyways. Yeah. <laughs> he was just ready to go at all times. Yeah. Man, I freak. You forget how many good movies he really did. I really like the Bill and Ted movies. I think they're hilarious. I didn't, I didn't see, see the newest one. I didn't see it. And then. He also makes motors like he, he has his own motorcycle company. He does. Yeah, they're like Ducatis, right? No, they're no, his they're, own. They're his. They're, so they're not like Ducatis. Him and his business partner design an entire motorcycle from the floor up. So they're not like trying to be like. No, they are like, their yeah. own entity. Yeah, they, and they're they, badass. They have a very, very uh, unique look to them too. It's they're called Arch. 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 It's a lot, right? Isn't it? Like, like, very expensive. Like 70, 80,000 or something, or something more. They're, they're crazy expensive. You have to pay all up front. I can't afford it, but Keanu Reeves, what's up? 
Yeah, sponsor your boys. Yeah, yeah for sure. Send I us mean, a motorcycle. We, we, we'll, we'll, we'll test drive it. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's like supposed to be like the one, the hook your cousin up. Yeah, I was gonna say you got family here, bro. Yeah, uh, he, he's supposed to be like one of the nicest guys in the world. Like he's just like a just a normal everyday dude. Like he he takes pub, public trans transportation and everything. I watched the thing where he took a he was on the Greyhound bus. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're a celebrity. You taking rehab bus? Yeah, <laughs> he takes the bus. Like he sits down and has a meal with like homeless people on the side of the street. He's got a messed up personal life story, right? Like, like his sister died from cancer, and then and his, his wife like, died from cancer. No, it was like his his fiance died in a car accident, uh, and she was pregnant. Oh, okay. So it wasn't like it wasn't like she wasn't doing something that she wasn't supposed to. It was just a very unfortunate situation. Yeah. But from from what I read, he's just like really a nice guy and super nice. Like he's he's Canadian. I think his dad's Canadian. His mom is Chinese or Japanese or something like that. Yeah. And he's just like the super super calm, super. Anybody that go through that situation, I think a lot of people probably give up. And this dude's still trucking on, doing his thing. Mm. It's from what I see with him, like I, that's a person that I think people should aspire to be to because he's just he's just overall good dude. Yeah, yeah, and he does crazy stuff like all of the stuntmen on his movies. He bought them like all Harley Davidsons. Yeah. You know, or um, I thought I I thought I'd seen something too, where he I don't know if he gave multiple bikes or he made a bike for somebody. Yeah. Oh, like I'm sure bike. he probably did. Yeah, and I think they only do custom orders for his motorcycle company. I think they only do a few per year, um, but they're they're beautiful looking bikes and they're very unique. And then I like we were watching something at work where he. They're not like making a ton of money. They're making money off of it, like yeah. enough to make it profitable. But they're not making like thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. They're yeah. making enough to make it profitable. That's yeah. it. Like, well, that's and, their and, whole model. And he takes huge pay cuts for movies to make sure they're they're better. Yeah, like he like took like a seventy percent pay cut for the Devil's Advocate just to make sure Al Pacino did yeah. it, or he got rid of most of his paycheck for. The Matrix, so that they could afford a bigger CGI budget, and then with the Matrix too, he he took in the percentage of what they were going to bring in. Mm-hmm. So he took in like some low amount, like two percent, five percent, something like that. Like, yeah, but it, it did it made so well. a billion dollars, so he made like a hundred million dollars. Yeah, and it wouldn't have worked out great for him, but he he didn't think it was. Who knew if it was going to be that? Yeah, but it was. He the movie makes ten million dollars. He's gonna what make a hundred thousand something? Yeah, uh, I'm not gonna try to do math here. I, I don't. I'm not. We're elected <laughs> to read, not to or we're elected to lead, not to read. <laughs> and then also, I was reading kind of recently, like he gives millions and millions of dollars per year, um, and they only recently learned this to like cancer research and stuff yeah. like that and cancer hospitals. Yeah. Yeah. I think that I read because of that, because it was sister. And I think one of the movies that he did, like some romance movie where the girl died of cancer or something, he did that because of his sister or something like that. Oh, okay. Like that's the only reason why he did the movie. Really. 
that's what I read. Right. Like, yeah, I, I read, I've, I've seen read a bunch of stuff where he's done movies for not that much money. He does these random movies where he gets paid literally almost not that much money. And there are people like, oh, Keanu Reeves is in it. And you watch it. He's only in it for a little bit or whatever. Yeah. And he just, it's not that he does it just like for artistic sake sometimes. He mm-hmm. just does it just because it's got some special meaning behind it or something. And that's the kind of person he is. Yeah. Oh, now we got Halle Berry on uh, John Wick 3. Here we go. She's looking good. Prime time. <laughs> and then, and those dogs are beautiful too, though. <laughs> those are just good looking pups. All right, well, since this has turned into a Keanu Reeves episode, let's go ahead and wrap up this, this week's episode. And um, we're going to try a bit and it's going to be separately recorded um where we give we had mentioned it on instagram and um it got some good responses we're going to give our weekly picks and it's going to differ like every time so this week's picks are going to be uh comic book movies and uh, we're going to record that separately so look out for that after this um episode loads and then if few days later a week later maybe post it uh we'll, we'll post it on like sunday so that way like you have time for the whole week to check out the weekly pick so yeah that's it uh thanks for listening it started constantine and i think it just went to keanu reeves but thank you to chris uh for showing up and uh recording with us and thank you guys for having me and i think chris will be uh here more often Hopefully you like this episode, and hopefully you will like our weekly picks. Have a great week. Bye.